0: The book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, and I find myself in the book of Corinthians. Let me get to Ephesians. Um, Have you ever rebuked yourself? There's times when I've rebuked myself, and I had one of those moments the other week. Uh, The other week, I I was talking to someone here at, uh, uh, and we were just talking about something that's happening in our community, happening in in the area. And this, this this is where I've found myself a lot lately, it seems, is, but what can we do? And that was the question to me, because I was kind of filling them in, and this is kind of where it's sad. This was happening. Like, but what can we do? And my response was this: Well, at this point, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. And I remember feeling like like the balloon had been popped. Psss. And as I as I I was like why do I feel so funny having just said there's nothing we can do? And I turned around and I walked away from the conversation and, and over the next hour, the only thing I can, I can imagine is, do you remember the old Windows um, XP Uh, especially, they used to have this screensaver and and it would, you could put a little phrase in there like, you know, I love my wife or whatever it may be and and it would would, would go on there and then it would kind of just kind of go, the screensaver would just bounce around like this. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what was happening in my brain for the next hour or two. There's nothing we can do, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can there's nothing we there's nothing we can do. Over and over and over, I I tried to do different things, and in my brain, that's all that's going on, there's nothing we can do. Till suddenly I was like, wrong. There is something we can do. I felt it so strongly in my gut that I actually texted that person. I said, hey, I just wanna follow up on our conversation. I wanna make sure you know something. There is something we can do. Now, I don't wanna get ahead of myself and my message here, but we know the book of Ephesians says this. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's understand that we, as believers, have one of the greatest weapons of all, and that's prayer, that's believing God, that's taking a stand in faith, Are you with me? Even when we feel like there's nothing else we can do, there is something we can do. And that's the greatest thing we could do. We could bring that thing to God and know that as we pray and as we intercede, God hears and he moves on our behalf. Now, I think there is something to the fact that there is prayer and action. Prayer and action. In fact, in the back of the seats in front of you, if you'd grab the notes in there, this quote is actually in there. I don't know if I even 100% agree with it, and I'll tell you why in a second, but I wanted to get it into your hands and get you thinking about it. The prayer to pray without action is hypocrisy. To act without prayer is pagan. Pagan effective prayer involves the balanced tension between total dependence on God and responsible action by the one who prays. Now, I understand the heart of that. I don't even know who said it. I just saw it somewhere this week. I thought, I'm gonna use that. If, if my, I can sit here and pray for my kids. My kids need food in their stomachs. The poor kids, they just love to eat, and we all do, but, uh, oh God, I pray that you would provide food for my children's stomachs. I just, I pray that, I pray that, I pray that. That's one thing I can do, but you know what else I can do is I can have action. I can go out and get a job, <laughs> and, I can, and I can work so that I can buy them food so that the Lord, through my labor, has done us worship unto the Lord, could provide food for my, do you get what I'm saying? There's prayer and action. But let's make sure that as believers with a Christian perspective, a Christian worldview, there is nothing like the power of prayer. Prayer even trumps action because there are times when you and I cannot do anything. We literally can't do a single thing. But I know this, and the Bible declares that when we pray, it moves the hand of God. When we pray, we can be standing in Middlebury, Indiana, and the Holy Spirit of God can be ministering to someone in the hospital in Goshen or around the world. Do you get what I'm saying here? I'm on, are you with me today? Come on, maybe just nudge your neighbor, poke them, do some, pinch them, something. Just make sure they're awake. Because God is wanting to move you, He's wanting to I, I, I get kind of tired, and, and I'm, I'm not going to get all political on you today, but even this week, as, as someone who's um, been played in a position of authority just declares, um, prayers it's time prayers aren't enough. Prayers, prayers aren't, we don't need prayers, we need acts. No, we need prayers, and the church can never, ever stop praying. And if we're going to be the church God desires us to be, the Acts 2.42, devoted to prayer church, we've got to adopt it. We've got to grasp this. Prayer is our greatest weapon because there is an attack, an all-out assault, against Christianity, against our faith, against everything that we believe here in the word of God. There's an all-out assault against it. And it's not time for us to back off. It's time for us to take your stand. It's time for us to stand and say, no, this is truth. This is what I believe. And all of that brings us to the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians. What is Ephesians? You know, there was a city in the New Testament times called Ephesus, and it was a coastal city, very important city, and uh, the Apostle Paul was very likely, when he wrote this, this letter to the church of Ephesus, the Ephesians, when he's writing this, he was very likely in prison in Rome. He was very likely in prison, probably many would say even uh, connected to a Roman soldier, And so, as we begin to lay out all the different pieces of the full armor of God, which we're not going to get into today, today's just the introduction to a couple weeks' worth of messages. But it's very likely that, yeah, yeah, put on the helmet of salvation like this dude sitting next to me. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, though. Put on the belt of truth and the, the gird yourself. We're going to talk about that. But Paul was in prison as he's writing. He's under attack for doing what? Preaching the gospel. Even as he's sharing these words. As you look at the book of Ephesians, the the first three chapters seem to be dealing with with how we are redeemed by God. What God has done for us. Who we are in Christ. And then the next three chapters, chapters 4 through 6, seem to be since you are redeemed, this is how you ought to live. Since you are forgiven and since you are a believer and you put your faith in Christ, this is the way you ought to act it out. And so Paul is writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. It might as well have been been called the uh, the book of Middlebury, or Elkhart County, or uh, Indiana. I mean, really, as you read and study this, in fact, it's very likely that this letter wasn't just taken to Ephesus and said, here, you guys read it, don't share it with anyone. It's very likely it was shared with all the cities and towns in, the, in that region, the area of what was then Asia at the time. They shared this because it was so powerful. The good news for us is it's is not just that, that, that there is a battle going on, because you just look at what's happening in our nation, you look at what's happening in our community, you know there's evil on the loose. You know there's something going on. But the good news is this. Is, is Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, for instance. Let me bring that to you. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with his regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Let me be very clear with you. It was on the cross that Jesus defeated death, Satan, the grave. It's defeated. And now, I'm not going to get my chart out for you, you know, my, my end times chart. I'm not going to get that out for you, but if you can just imagine with me, there, there was the first coming of Jesus. That's when Jesus was born, right? He lived amongst us. He was born. He died. And he rose again. That's the first coming of Jesus. And then there's the second coming of Jesus. And I believe scripture teaches there's two phases to that. The first phase is the rapture of the church where we go home to be with him. He takes us home. And then there's seven years of tribulation. And then the second phase of the second coming is when it's on like Donkey Kong. I mean, when when he comes, and let me just tell you what happens according to the book of Revelation. It's at that point, the book of Revelation chapter 20 tells us that he casts all the devil and his angels into hell. At the second coming, and when that battle takes place once and for all, Satan is is destroyed, he's thrown into hell, the devil and his angels are all gone. But right now, between the first coming and the second coming, we're involved in a battle. If, If you've ever tried to forgive someone that did something against you and it hurt you deeply, you know there's a battle. If you've ever tried to have a godly marriage, you know there's a battle. If you've ever tried to raise a child to follow Jesus, you know there's a battle. There is a battle going on right now. The devil is real. He's not just a figment of the cartoons. He's not a figment of someone's imagination. He's as real as you and I here today. And just before we get into verse 10, whoo, this is all just the introduction. But just before we get to verse 10, in chapter six, I wanna I'll make a point, one more point about the book of Ephesians. In fact, as you look, in, you don't have to turn there, but if you, unless you want to, but Ephesians chapter one, um, for instance, what I want you to see here is the book of Ephesians was not written to a person. It was written to a group of people. And I think it's important that we take that. As we take on the battle, as we take this battle on, it's you're not meant to fight this alone. We're meant to fight this together. In chapter 1 verse 4 for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. All that to say, before we even get to verse 10, I just want to lay that foundation that everything I'm getting ready to say to you today and over the next few weeks was not meant for you and you alone. It was meant for us to go to battle together. Now let's look at verse 10. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Well, I'm glad. Let's go. Verse 10. Finally. Oh, I can't get any further. I have to stop right there. Okay, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. But finally, finally what? Finally. As I I conclude this letter to you, dear saints, as the Holy Spirit has inspired me to write this letter to you, as I'm penning this to you, as I'm writing this to you, finally, just before we go, in fact, I I was studying this today, I ran across um, uh, Adam Clark, the great Methodist theologian, he suggested, uh, uh, Paul said something like this, having laid before you your great and high calling, and all the doctrines and precepts of the gospel, it is necessary that I should show you the Enemies that will oppose you, and the strength which is requisite to enable you to repel them sometimes I like it when when people of old speak, they just say things in a little they, we're going to repel the enemy we're going to repel it's like off Shh. you know you put off mosquito spray and, and you, you spray it on you, and those mosquitoes stay away from you, right they should <clears throat> okay what what what, what uh, uh, what he says here, Adam Clark says, what, what Paul is getting ready to say to us is kind of finally, you, you know all that God's done for you. So this is how you can repel the enemy. You can push him back. He says, uh, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The idea here is be be strengthened in the Lord. In fact, it really is be being strengthened in the Lord. The idea is that you and I need strength. In fact, in your notes, would you think of it this way? In your notes, write this in your notes. Put yourself in a place where God can strengthen you in him. Fill that in, will you? Put yourself in a place where God can strengthen you in him. Can I just say this? Have you ever been in a season where you're like spiritually felt kind of blah, where it just felt like spiritually, I just feel like my prayers are hitting the ceilings and coming back down. I just feel kind of, God would have never said that he wants to strengthen you if he didn't want to strengthen you. <laughs> he wants to strengthen you. Put yourself in a position where you, you, can, you can build yourself up in the most holy faith. Do you know what his strength is like? Can I just tell you what his strength is like? Ephesians chapter one, verse 18 says it this way. Look on the screener. Uh, in your Bibles. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Look at verse 19. And His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but but also in the one to come. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being. Paul finally says, make sure you're strengthened in the power of his might. God's strength, his mighty power are a part of the kingdom blessing that's available to you and I when we gave our life to Christ. If you feel spiritually powerless today, you feel like when you pray, you don't see... Let me just encourage you, put yourself in a place to be strengthened in him. While victory is certain, the battle still must be waged between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. That's where we're at. <clears throat> Excuse me, be strengthened in the Lord. I like how David, first uh, uh, Samuel verse, 30, um, verse uh, chapter 30 verse six, says it this way. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. You want to talk about a bad day. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his son's and daughters, but David found strength where? In the Lord his God. The next time you feel an onslaught of the enemy, the next time you feel like everyone's coming at you, whatever, can I just encourage you, instead of turning to something to try to drown your sorrows and drown your pain and just forget it all, turn to the one who's the life giver, turn to the one who's the strength giver, and Find your strength in the Lord. Almighty. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 12 says, I will strengthen them in the Lord and in his name they will walk, declares the Lord. Matthew Henry's com- uh, commentary says it this way, now it is requisite that a soldier be both stout-hearted and well-armed if Christians be soldiers of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to talk about over the next couple weeks, is how you use the strength of Almighty God, the strength that he's already given you. Strengthen yourself through the armor of God. Strengthen yourself so that You can take on the onslaught of the enemy. Ultimately, Satan's power over Christians is already broken, and the great war is won through Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. However, in this life on earth, battles of temptation are still going to happen. There's still going to be battles that we have got to fight and push against. So, question real quick how can we be strengthened in the Lord? Pastor Scott, I'm there right now. How can I be strengthened? First thing is, and I think this is in your notes, take on a posture of humility before the Lord. Take on a posture of humility. That's just where it all starts. In fact, my encouragement to you is before you even set foot out of your bed, like you're sleeping tomorrow morning, you wake up, before you put that first foot on the, on, on the floor, just say a quick prayer. Say, Lord, I give you this day. Lord, I submit this whole day to you. There are times when I'll even just do a quick prayer through my whole day. I I know I'm gonna be meeting with this person. I know I'm gonna be doing this. I know I've got a meeting tonight. I got this, that, these, those. God, use me. Let me be a light. God, prepare my heart for what this day brings because I don't wanna wanna jump into this day without you being with me. God, I need you. Declare your, your humbleness, your humility before him. Declare your need for God. Another thing I'd throw out to you is just the spiritual disciplines, obviously. But let's not skip over these. There is something powerful about spending time with God in prayer. There's something powerful when you set it aside. Scott, I don't know what to pray. Well, we're going to talk about that. But listen, spending time where it's just in conversation between you and the Lord. Scripture, spending time reading Scripture. And my, my prayer for you, my goal even for my own Scripture reading time is this. My goal, if you want to read through the Bible in a year, go for it. Do it. But I would rather you read even one chapter a day and just get one thing out of that chapter just to meditate on throughout the day than for you to memorize even the whole Bible. Um, The the precept, the the thoughts, the heart. Do you get what I'm saying? Every day, my goal is when I turn to the Bible is not just to read it like a newspaper, but I want to read it like a a, a letter that God wrote to me, that he wrote to me, that he wrote to me. And I want to take something, I've been reading through the Psalms, and so I want to take a Psalm and pull it out and say, okay, that one verse, I read the whole chapter, but that one verse is what I'm going to live on today. I'm going to meditate on that day and night. Today, that's where I'm going to be. Spend some time in the Word. And then things like fasting, um, spend some time. If If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in your prayer language. Paul says, Out of this microphone, okay. He when you when you pray, when he speaks in tongues, when we prays in his spirit, when he prays in the spirit, it edifies him, it strengthens him. Let's strengthen ourselves through praying in the spirit. The last thing I would throw out to you is Christian fellowship. These aren't the only things, but Christian fellowship. Have you spent time with other believers? I mean, guard yourself. If, if we're around people all the time that are unbelievers, they're not thinking, talking, uh, approaching life the same way that we are, it's going to affect us. So spend time with other believers. Being in a, a life group, small group, is a great way to accomplish that. But if you want to be strong, we must learn that we've got to be weak, we've got to humble ourselves before the Lord, and we've got to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Here's some actions that we can do. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil 's schemes. put on the full armor of god it 's on us it 's our responsibility i don 't know why, but for some reason, as I was studying this this week put it put on put on the full i 've got to put it on it made me think of seventh grade football as as I, as i'm as i 'm walking into the the locker room and it's the first practice for seventh grade football. No more flags. Uh-uh. We're talking hand-to-hand combat here. We're talking seventh grader going against seventh grader, full on tackle football. Woo! And so we're standing in the locker room and 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 the coaches are there, hey, all right, fellas. You need to grab yourself a pair of pants, football pants and then and then they pointed out, "Here's a pile of thigh pads, here's a pile of knee pads and you had your tailbone and you got to take these and stuff them into your pants and and I I mean I I would, seventh grade boy. I had no I would, he he was like And I would, so I was at one point. I was just kind of following what everyone else was doing. The bad part was I didn't miss that there was a difference. I didn't miss when he said, "There's a difference between a thigh pad and a knee pad." I didn't even think about the fact that there may be some pants that are larger than others. I didn't even think about that. Oh, okay, I got to go grab a pair of pants, okay, and I say, and so the whole season I had pants that are way too big on me. I had had thigh pads here and thigh pads here because I grabbed the wrong ones, And, and I'll never forget that year. Eighth grade, it was different. I had myself some knee pads. After that, my football career was over, but... That's a whole other story. But then he said, grab that helmet, put that helmet. Make sure it fits you, boys, because you're wearing this the whole Put the helmet. I had a um, large, a uh, lacabesa, whatever. I mean, it was. I, mean, I still have a huge head. I've always had a huge head. And so I found one that finally fit my big old head, and I got it on. And I started thinking about this this week. What if a football player would say, hey, coach, you know what? I'm going to just live on the edge. I'm not going to wear a helmet this season. I'm just going to take on halfway through the season. Hey, coach, I'm not going to wear a helmet anymore. Why? Because you're 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 you shooting yourself in the foot. There's 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 armor. There's there's equipment you're you're put. On. It's not just for show. That helmet, even with a helmet, you could still have injuries, as we've seen from some NFL players. But here's the deal: we need to put this on. We need to understand. Um, We need. My 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 concern is, is that some of us don't even quite understand a that there's a battle, and b that God has given us equipment and given us uh, ways in which to to take our stand. He's equipped us. We need to put these things on. Okay. So t- put put these things on. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. I got to keep moving here. The devil rules the world of darkness, the kingdom opposed to God. We need to stand against it. It says, "Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Hold your position." The devil, also called Satan, he's our enemy. Hold your position against him. The Bible the Bible talks about the devil and he's real. He talks about him as the anointed cherub, the ruler of the demons, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Scripture depicts him opposing God's work, perverting God's word, hindering God's servants, obscuring the gospel, snaring the righteous and holding the world in his power. Do you know, the Bible says that what the devil tries to do is he tries to come as an angel of light, right? Makes things sound really good and makes it look like, oh, yeah, well, they're good people. They're really nice. He, he doesn't come with horns and, and, and fire coming out of his mouth. No, he comes as an angel of light. He comes just sneaking around. He tries to twist and thwart that which was God. And right now in our, in our, um, in our community, even in, in our nation, let me, just, let me just hit something right now. I just want to declare this. Sexuality is from God. Do you know God created you to be a man or a woman? In fact, he's blessed even the union of a man and a woman in marriage. And he's blessed that he says, this is the way that it works now. What? So what the enemy does, do you see what he does? He steps in and begins to thwart that and twist that and turn that and make some people begin to question. Well. Am I really a male? Am I really a female? Listen, I'm not questioning whether the enemy's out there twisting that. And my heart breaks for those of you, especially some of our students who may be struggling because of the onslaught of the enemy, because of the battle that's raging in the spirit world right now. There are some who are questioning their sexual identity. Who am I? Where do I fit in all this? There's struggle. I'm not questioning that there's a struggle, but what I want to declare to you is that there is truth on the matter. There is truth on the subject. And that's what we need to stand for. Do you see how the devil takes little things? You look at pornography, you look at other sexual immorality, all of that stuff. It's taking something that's godly, that's good, and it's making it evil. It's it's making it perverse. And yet yeah, that's the way the devil works. And so for some of you. What, what, what we need to pray through this whole series is not just, Lord, help me to have the armor, but help me to have discernment to realize when, when he's, he's coming at me as an angel of light. When, when I, I can't reckon, I can't see it. Be on your guard. Take your stand. All throughout the scripture, we see that, that desire there uh, 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 to stand up against the enemy and his onslaught. So let me just toss something else out to you. Why would Christians not want to use the full armor? Why, what, what would be the big deal? If, if, if it says, it says verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, why would someone not want to do that? Let me just toss out a couple thoughts to you, and then we'll, then we'll be almost done here. First thing is they don't sense danger or recognize the power of the enemy. Some people just don't see it. They don't understand that the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy you and take you out. He's come to destroy your marriage. He's come to destroy your health. He's come to destroy your children and take them down a road of evil, of yuck. And that's where he's at. We got to sense that. We got to know that. Second thing, they don't have all the weapons. Maybe we've never been taught the significance and the importance of the weapons that we have so that we can take our stand. Number three, They're untrained in the use of those weapons. Without practice, no soldier can be ready for battle. So, okay, so Scott, yeah. Okay, okay, I'm reading the Bible. I read the Bible. Check that off. Now, how do we use the Bible then as we begin to take our stand against the enemy? Well, we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But um, maybe just don't know. I've never been taught how to use prayer as a weapon. How to use the Word of God as a weapon. We're going to talk about that. Number four they would rather be liked and accepted by people than to confront evil and be rejected as i'm just going to tell you right now that's one of the biggest ones in our community right there listen you're lying to me if you don't feel that you're lying to me cuz i feel it we all feel it i mean i don't want to be that person i don't want to be looked at in the community as that person and then, and then we have this kind of this push, and I understand, but this push from the Christian community—well, Christians should not be known for what they're against; they should be known for what they're for. And I get it, I understand it, and I, and I, and I think maybe at times there is a, a perception issue, perhaps I don't know, but all I know is we can't back so far away that we don't ever take a stand. And we've got to be willing, no matter our position or standing in the community, no matter our position or standing in your friend group, on the Little League team, whatever it is, we have got to be willing to understand that God gave us that platform so that we could speak into things. God gave us that platform. The reason why you feel like... You enjoy talking with others and interacting with others, and it's the whole small town thing, you know. You're, you know this person, that person. The reason why you enjoy that is because God planted you there to have those relationships so when the time came, you can take a stand for truth, to take your stand. And that's what God is trying to stir us up with in this, in this in this series. That's where we're going. In fact, you're going to feel really comfortable, because let me just prepare you over the next... A few weeks, you're going to feel really uncomfortable. You're going to feel really uncomfortable the next few weeks, and that's my goal, is that God would stir us up and get us to the point of, I don't care who in this world ends up not liking me. I got, I've got to take a stand. Now, I'm not saying that standing on the street corner saying, you're going to hell! I'm not saying that's the best route. Now, I'm not going to stand around and judge the person who might do that and we all know that there are people definitely going to hell. I'm not saying, but there are times where it's, God, God is a merciful and a loving, it's hard to do this with a microphone, but he's a, I, I love using my hands. One hand, he's a merciful, loving Savior, but he's also a just God. And his, his commands are clear. His, his, his uh, precepts are clear. We, we, we must hold on to these. Let's finish this up. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I like how verse, uh, uh, the ESV version says it this way. Look on the screen. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's more than just a struggle. It's a wrestle, going after each other. That's why I asked Matt and Jeremy if they'd be willing to go ahead and go at it here. So come on up, fellas. Just, your singlet, Jeremy. It's, go get into that, and Matt. Get in your little singlet there. And, what? You guys want to see Matt and Jeremy go after it, They're just wrestle on Listen, I, this might surprise you, but I've never been a wrestler. I've never been a wrestler. I know many of you have, and I, my hat's off to you. Um, but I do know enough to know this, is that the wrestler, it's in the mind just as much as it's in the physical, Right. It's in the mind. You're thinking, what's this person going to do? And if this person goes like this, and I'm going to do this, and they do this, or like, well, hey, I'm just going to go on the offensive. I'm just going to, what, what are you waiting? We're just kind of in this. I'm going to go after them. Just, there's both offense and defense as you're wrestling, and I'm sure that's making it very simplistic, right, Coach Matt, right? Okay. Um, but I'm a very simplistic version there. But that's what we do with the enemy. Th- there's a fight going on. There's a battle going on. In fact, the scriptures point this out. The forces coming against us have three main characteristics. They are powerful. You get that? The Scripture says they're powerful. We're fighting against the powers of this dark world. Whether rulers and authorities refer to different ranks of evil in the spirit realm, I don't know. But all I know is the enemy does have power. But I want to remind you of what 1 John chapter 4 says. Can you look at this? You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let's not forget that. He has power. If you've ever sinned, all of us, if you've ever sinned, you know the enemy has power. But let's not forget, the one who died on the cross, the one who shed his blood, rose again, is coming back. He's the one that's greater. All authority has been placed in his hand, so let's trust him for that power. Let's trust him for that strength. They're powerful, but God's greater. They're also wicked. The Scripture says that we're we're going against the powers of this dark world. You know, power can be used for good or bad, but wickedness... Not so much. You're just wicked. (laughs) They're just yuck. They're they're a part of this dark world. There's no Geneva Convention agreement with the enemy here. He'll come at you in any way he can. All out onslaught against you any way he can. He doesn't play nice. The, The third thing is they're sneaky. The enemy's sneaky. The forces coming against the three main characteristics, Sneakiness. Paul writes in, in uh, verse 11, this is what he says. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The wiles of the devil, I think, is what the New King James and King James says. The wiles of the devil, the sneakiness. In 2 Corinthians 2.11 reminds us, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Let's make sure we're aware of the way the enemy is coming against us. How does the a devil's scheme. He schemes as an angel of light. Let me give you that scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Listen, I just remind you again, the enemies, he's going to come at you, in ways that maybe you didn't even imagine because it looks almost like well, they don't look horrible it's not, it's not like that's a horrible thing but the enemy is, is he's masquerading he's got a mask on Satan appears as a creature of light drawing us to himself and drawing us to his lies sometimes the enemy is so I mean there have been evil things that I've seen in the past year in our nation that I don't even, I don't need, even need discernment I mean am I right? There have been evil, and let's just talk about COVID-19 for a second, can we? Wherever you fall on all the, the masking, unmasking, whatever, the fact of the matter is COVID-19 is evil straight from the pit of hell. The way the enemy has used this sickness and disease to, uh, to cause division, to destroy unity, not just in the church, but in communities and families, it's just been straight out of the pit of hell. There are times when we see that and we understand that. But there's other times when he comes in like a, just like a very, very sleuthily, like uh, very subtly, like a serpent, you know, go all the way back to Adam and Eve. I mean, that was, well, God didn't really say that, did he? Um, Well, maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you read it, and yeah, he did, but very subtle. There's times he's like a roaring lion. The the enemy just, uh, you hear him, you see him. And then there's other times when he's very subtle but let's be aware of when the enemy is coming against us because this is the point, and if you get nothing out of this message, just get this. In the armor of God that we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks, the believer has all he or she needs to hold their ground against the onslaughts of the enemy. For those of you who feel like you've been slapped around by the enemy, I I want to encourage you with something. You have all you need to take your stand. You have all you need. It's not just you and your wife, your husband can't get along. There are times when disagreements in your marriage are, are directly energized by the devil. The enemy is real. There are times when that conflict at work, where you just can't seem to get peace amongst all the... Everyone's yapping, talking, yapping, saying this, saying that. Just keep your nose out of it. Listen, there are times when that conflict... It's not just conflict. It's energized by the enemy. Just get that, understand that it's unnatural, and if it, it just seems like I don't understand where this is even coming from, it's probably the enemy. It's the devil bringing that up. Now, I don't think we need. To, someone said it this way: um, "There's a, is there a devil behind every bush? You know, we see a devil behind every. I don't believe that there's a devil behind every bush and around every corner. But then the other part of me says um, I do believe that there's a devil behind every bush and behind every corner. I, I think we, we don't we don't need to like. Have some weirdo fantasy, fantasi- Yeah, spend a lot of time thinking about the enemy fascination. That's the word. I'm I'm going to read every scripture there is about the devil. I'm going to learn all. What well, that's good. Okay, go ahead. But the fact of the matter is, I would spend a whole lot more time thinking about the victory we have through Jesus. Understand that the devil is powerful, Satan is powerful, he's real, he's come against you, he's trying to destroy you, but know this, that greater is he that's in the world than he, uh, um, uh, greater is he that's inside of me than he that's in the world. So here's the deal. Um, Only the power of God can defend and deliver us from the might, the evil, and the craft of the the enemy and the devil. So let's, let's hold on to that. One last verse and then we're done. Verse 13, real quick. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... When that day of evil comes, what does that mean? We don't know exactly, but it probably refers to any time when the enemy comes in like a flood. Let me just say this. Okay, think about Jesus. Do you remember in our Luke series, at the very beginning, Jesus was in the desert. And the devil was tempting him in all these ways. And, and Jesus stood against him, threw scripture at him. And you know, in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, it won't be on the screen, but it says something just like this. And then the devil left him for another opportune time. What's that mean? I just want you to be aware. There are times when the enemy, the devil, is going to come against you with an onslaught, like a flood. And there's going to be times, and, and you're going to be like in the spiritual battle of your life. And there's going to be times where it's saying, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm feeling like yeah, I don't really feel. That's why when somebody says, if the devil's not coming against you, then something's wrong. If you're not struggling, then you must not be serving Jesus. Well, I'm just telling you, what I see as biblical evidence is there, there are times, definitely, when the enemy's coming against you. I was a pretty good southern preacher of all the time. Was that? Uh, listen, listen. Listen, hear me, though. There are times when the enemy will come against you, and you'll feel it. And it's a heaviness, and that's when you need to fast pray. We'll talk more about that later. But you press through. But we need to put on the full armor of God for when that day comes. Okay, let's keep reading that. Uh, when the evening, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand, stand, stand. Okay, that's just the introduction. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm just going to shoot straight. Worship team, would you come? I had a completely different series that I was gonna go with. In fact, God bless his heart, Matt Holloway had already prepared the logos and everything for a completely different series. And we're gonna do it probably some other time. But last week, as, just as the week went on, I just kept feeling this, just kept feeling this. I just feel so strongly the Holy Spirit wants us to learn something right now about taking our stand. And this is spiritual, spiritually. Yeah, I think as citizens of the United States of America, there's some things we need to stand on. I think we need to stand with our constitution, those type of things. But I'm telling you, that's not the series. This series is a church series, a Bible series, about us taking a stand against the evil of the enemy. And uh, let's equip ourselves. Let's, let's be equipped, equip our, ourselves to, to take that stand, to stand against the enemy. And So let me just ask one more question as we conclude. Oh, it's a weird question, too. Does the devil know your name? Let's go to the book of Acts. Look on the screen, will you? The book of Acts, chapter 19. Interestingly enough, um, this is in Ephesus. This is in Ephesus. Book of Ephesians, we're saying this in Ephesus. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, "Uh, Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So here's my question to you. Jesus, I know and I know about Paul, but who are you? Jesus I know, and I know about Paul. I know about Gary, I know about Shane, I know about Becky, I know about Katrina. I know about Jim, I know about Laura. I know about, would you be in that list? Come on, would you? I know about Brian. Would you be in that list? You know, that's my prayer. As that over the next few years, excuse me, the next few weeks, as we discuss this, that you're going to be on the devil's hit list. That's my prayer, is that, is that the devil will be like, keep your eye. He'll be telling all his legions of, of other demons, keep your eye on that one. And that we'd have pushing 300 people, part of a church called Pathway Church, that say, bring it on because I'm, I'm advancing. I'm not shrinking back. I'm advancing. I'm taking the kingdom of God into place. The light into the darkness, that's my prayer. That's my desire. Let's do it. Let's be known by the enemy. Come on, let's stand up. Let's close in prayer.